You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply on today's episode of locked on Kentucky we are going to be discussing the Wildcats momentum Kentucky basketball is on a roll they have just recently defeated the Texas A&M Aggies at home huge home win for the Wildcats going to talk about that matchup and looking ahead also I know we've been talking a lot about lineup rotation on the show recently, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about that. But one particular swap that I think needs to happen in the starting lineup, and it has nothing to do with Severe Wheeler. I'm going to be breaking that down later on in the show. And then finally, Kentucky basketball is moving up the bracketology rankings. CBS Sports now has them as a 10 seed. Going to talk about what that could mean for the Wildcats at the end of the show. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. And if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the show. It would mean to a ton to us here at Locked On Kentucky. I don't just say that at the beginning of every episode because I just say it for fun. It genuinely does mean a lot. Please subscribe to the show as we march ever so close to 5,000 subs. We're currently sitting at about 3,100, if I'm not mistaken. Kentucky basketball picked up a massive victory over the weekend against the Texas A&M Aggies. This was another one where it was a dogfight. And we've kind of used that word quite a bit here on the show as of late. We expected the SEC slate to be very difficult and so far is proven to be just that for the Wildcats. They now sit at 4-3 in SEC play. Their three losses, two of them uh, to um, to decent opponents, excuse me, I should say. And they've picked up a couple really solid wins here lately. They've beat a top five Tennessee team on the road uh, just about a week or so ago. And now they've beaten Texas A&M, who, according to Ken Palm, is a top 50 team nationally. Now, as it stands right now, I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble. But 13-6 Texas A&M, I don't know if they're a top 30 team just based on what they've done statistically, what we broke down with them on Friday, and then looking at their makeup outside of what they are numbers-wise, I just don't know if this is a top 50 team. Is this a quad two win? Is this a borderline quad one win? I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know. You have to give them props for winning seven straight heading into this contest in Rupp. This team can win. It's just I don't... Maybe it's the bias. Maybe it's I, I just don't like their makeup. As we discussed... On the last episode of Locked On Kentucky, which was on Friday, this was previewing the Aggies, they foul a lot, they get to the free throw line a lot, they're not a fun team to play against, they grit, they grind, they're physical on the defensive end, it's a very it's a very difficult opponent to play regardless of your talent level, right? And normally whenever we head into matchups talking about Kentucky versus X opponent, one of the things that I discuss is whether or not Kentucky has a talent advantage, and if so, at what individual positions. It, it kind of gets thrown out of the window in matchups like this. 
because of how physical they play, because of how choppy the game ends up being. And let me tell you something. I said this game would be choppy and the pacing wouldn't be fun. And sure enough, we saw in the second half some very questionable officiating, some technicals issued out. It was a weirdly paced game. Kentucky ended up winning. Oscar Shibway, we thought, would statistically perform in this game. And he got some rebounds. But he ended up only shooting five shots in 29 minutes, which is very surprising to me. What Kentucky elected to do instead in this game against a team that likes to grit and grind and put you on the foul line, they decided that they would shoot a ton of threes. They would just work the ball outside and that they would go behind the arc and they would fog it up. Now, 34.4% is nothing to write home about. It's not terrible, but it's nothing impressive. That's what Kentucky shot from outside the arc in this game. But they took 32 threes as opposed to Texas A&M's 16. And they ended up making 11 as opposed to Texas A&M's 3. That was the story of this game. That's where it starts and ends for the Wildcats. They took their threes and they made a lot more because they ended up taking a lot more. Texas A&M, like we mentioned on the previous episode, is not a prolific three-point shooting team. In fact, most of their points come from the foul line and 16 of them, it's 16 of their 67 came from the, from the uh, charity stripe in this contest. But there was a, a huge discrepancy, I think, from three that I did not expect. Now, I did point out, and this is something that you and I talked about, about the importance of C.J. Frederick, Antonio Reeves, Cason Wallace, even Severe Wheeler if he got into the game, their outside shooting and how important that would be for Kentucky. C.J. Frederick ended up going two for ten. Cason Wallace ended up going one for seven. Chris Livingston hit both of his outside shots. Antonio Reeves went 5 of 11, which is pretty solid. So all in all, not a good three-point shooting day, but again, it's the volume. It's that John Calipari decided to come out and shoot a bunch of threes, and they ended up hitting a pretty decent amount. It's an impressive win, I think, for where Kentucky's at rather than where Texas A&M is at. So the Wildcats right now are struggling, I think, to put together a cohesive basketball team. They're trying to find that momentum, right? They're trying to find that consistency. And now that they have a three-game winning streak going on, they head into Vanderbilt this Tuesday, tomorrow, and they are going to prepare for what should be another dogfight. But because of this momentum, because of this energy, because of this cohesion that they maybe are now trying to finally find, they can maybe pull out a win. And I want to talk about the importance of this Kansas game Coming up this Saturday, later on in the show, but Ken Palm has dramatically changed the way that they have thought about this game. It's almost a 50-50 contest, which is weird considering Kansas is their ninth best team on the road against the 33rd best team. Normally, you don't see that drastic of a shift to where now it's almost an even matchup because of where the Wildcats are at right now. But guys, there is potential here. I'm not saying that this team is going to accomplish X, Y, or Z. I just want everybody to acknowledge Kentucky basketball right now, all of a sudden, is on a roll. And you may say, well, 13-6 and is not on a roll. I'm talking just this past week, these past 12 days or so, the Wildcats have found a little bit of rhythm, and they have won basketball games, these three basketball games, in different ways. But they have all ended with the conclusion that this team has heart, this team still has fight, and this team can put together an, a, a cohesive effort in order to take down any sort of opponent, whether that be a top five team in the country or whether that be one of the lower tier teams in the SEC 
and Georgia. That South Carolina loss, I expected things to fall apart after t- uh, 10-6. and six. Now 13-6, and six, things could still fall apart. I want to be very clear here. Things still could fall apart. But there's also way more opportunity, I think, for Kentucky to turn things around. And I think part of it, this turnaround, has to do with the adjustments that Calipari has made for this lineup. And I think that there is one more thing that may need to happen. If Kentucky's trying to solidify how they do things moving forward, there's got to be, I think, one more lineup change made, one more adjustment made. It's not significant, but I think that it's significant enough to where it could impact Kentucky's overall scoring ability in the future. I want to talk about that in just a second. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching your open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's incredibly easy to create a job free job post on top of that. You can add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's really, really simple. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, moving along here on the Monday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Kentucky basketball, like we just mentioned, picked up a massive win in terms of momentum over the Texas A&M Aggies just this past Saturday. Something else I want to note here before we kind of move on to this rotation Outside of Oscar Shibway not performing well in this game, can we please give our flowers to Jacob Toppin, who all of a sudden has turned things around? He is so hot and cold and hot and cold. He had two games where he had more than 20 points. Then he had two games where he had less than five. And now he's had two games where he's back into double figures. And this game against Texas A&M, he went 7 of 12, 1 of 2 from 3, had four rebounds, three assists, a block, two steals, filled the stat sheet up. The senior from Brooklyn is hot and cold, but whenever he's hot, he's very effective for this team. And do I think that it's matchup-based? That's probably part of it. Texas A&M probably, you look at their lineup rotation, they don't have a lot of great answers for what Jacob Toppin is. So that probably factored into this a little bit. But props to Jacob. Props to Jacob for not continuing on the slide and managing to find some rhythm and to, to find some, you know, the bottom of the basket in this game, pretty much. I wanted to shout him out. I also wanted to note something else. Again, there's so much to take away from this game. I hate that we breezed through it. 12 turnovers for Kentucky as opposed to Texas A&M 16. 13 personal fouls for Kentucky as opposed to Texas A&M's 18. I said in the pre-preview show that Kentucky would not be able to find a way to get away from Texas A&M's fouling issue. They have an addiction to fouling and to getting fouled. And Kentucky managed to get away from it. They played really well on that end. Although Texas A&M made all 16 of their free throws, 
A&M capitalized as good as they possibly could have. Wildcats still managed to, to pull away from it and find a way to win. Props to Jacob Toppin. Props to Calipari for managing to find a way to kind of control the game and play it a little bit more of the way that I think the Wildcats wanted to. Props and respect to that. All right. Kentucky basketball right now, I think, has a lineup adjustment that needs to be made. Some of you may disagree with this. Some of you may agree with this. If you'll notice, the starting five for the game against A&M was Oscar Shibway, Jacob Toppin, Chris Livingston, Kaysen Wallace, and C.J. Frederick. C.J. Frederick ended up playing 35 minutes in this game, and we noted earlier on in the season, did you notice there, after about five games, his, his minutes started to dip dramatically. And in that Missouri game, he only played three minutes. There was a stretch where he, instead of playing 30 to 25 minutes a game, he played 15, 9, 6, 25 against Florida, uh, Florida Atlantic. And then he played, or excuse me, against uh, FAMU. And then he played three against Missouri. And we were sitting here like, man, he has gotten cut out of the rotation. Part of it had to do with the fact that he was dealing with an injury, and now that he's gotten that hand taped up, he's out there and he's shooting again. But the problem with CJ is that he's been taking a lot of shots recently. He's had no less than eight each in the last four games, but he's not knocking them down. Now, he had a good game against South Carolina, but these past three games against Tennessee, four of 11. Against Georgia, one of eight. And against Texas A&M, he was three of 12. So, sure, in, these, in three of these last four games, he's averaged double figures. But he's shooting a punch, and it's really inefficient. And this is something that we talked about heading in whenever he came in. Believe it or not, I, my first episode of this show was talking about C.J. Frederick and what they were losing in whenever he first got injured. It was efficiency. And now we're looking at it like, well, we expected this guy to be efficient. But 39% from the floor, 35% from three, it's not that great. And when you look at their numbers recently, they've gotten worse. So what do we expect? Sure, he's hit a couple of clutch shots. A couple of clutch shots do not overrule a better shooting percentage overall on that same amount of shots. And better efficiency trumps clutch shooting. Because if you have better efficiency, you'll never have to get to a point where you need a clutch shooter. You'll consistently find yourself in better situations where you have a bigger lead. So with C.J. Frederick right now, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, is there anybody on this team comparable to him in size that could maybe rotate in and maybe play and start at the two? And there's only one guy that I can think of that could probably do that well that also happens to be playing pretty decently right now. And he's not playing much better than, than Frederick in terms of efficiency, but I think he's playing better. And that's Antonio Reeves. Now, Antonio Reeves has also played, I think, more often than not the three for Kentucky because he is six foot five and he can handle that. So maybe I'm missing something here because Kentucky only has two small forwards that they feel good with, Chris Livingston and Antonio Reeves. But if you're looking at this starting rotation, Chris Livingston is already there. Jacob Toppin is already there. You've got your three. So why not, in your starting rotation, swap out Antonio Reeves for Frederick? And in case you're wondering what I'm basing this off of, it's all about momentum, right? It's all about players that are getting better and playing hot, sliding them in, and giving them more opportunities. Over these past five games, 
Antonio, Antonio, excuse me, Antonio Reeves has had 20, 13, 18, 11, and then 23 points in this most recent outing. He's playing well. He's shooting better than C.J. Frederick is. He's taking just amount, uh, just about the same amount of shots. Percentage-wise, he's not perfectly better, but it's uh, in all of those games outside of one, he shot significantly better. I, I think you need to look at the overall product and say who's hot, who's not, what needs to be adjusted, and what needs to be left alone. Right now, I think Cason Wallace starting at point is great. I think Chris Livingston starting at the three is great. Maybe Kentucky's looking at it from a perspective of, okay, we've got one starting three, and that's our true three. That's Chris Livingston. When we rotate out, we bring in Antonio Reeves, and he can be our backup three. Maybe that's the way that they're looking at it. What I would think is that you give Antonio Reeves a starting role. When you go to sub, you just leave the two and the three in, and then you rotate out accordingly elsewhere. I mean, Kentucky does not have a deep lineup, right? To be honest with you, they run about eight deep, and that's with Uganda and Yenzo. If you add a Uganda, you get nine, but that's without Uganda and Yenzo. So I think that you can genuinely could find yourself in a world where Antonio Reeves starts, and then maybe CJ, CJ slots in, and then you slide him down. I just think that he needs more minutes. That's essentially it. Now, it's not a ton. Again, I want to point this out. This is not like a massive adjustment. It's just trading one player out for another. And then maybe giving Chris Livingston a little bit more opportunity. Has Chris Livingston earned that? I don't know. But right now, I think that if you're trying to capitalize, it's all about what's happening in the moment. Then this could be an interesting move. That's just my thought on it. If you guys disagree with that, you can let me know in the YouTube comments below. Or you can hit me on Twitter, at LockedOnUK over there. You can DM me and give me your thoughts as well. Hey, before we move on to this bracketology thought I have, I just want to remind you guys to please subscribe to the show if you have not already. It would mean a ton to us here at Locked On Kentucky if you subbed. If you're listening on podcasts, would really appreciate it if you left us a review. Five-star reviews, preferably. I try and shout you guys out whenever you leave a review. Let me know when you think about the podcast. I would really appreciate it. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked on Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Two things I wanted to note before we head out. Kentucky, right now, according to CBS Sports Bracketology and Jerry Palm, they are now, they've moved up from the 11 seed to a 10 seed. They are currently right now projected to play in the Midwest region, which also includes SEC teams Alabama at the 1 and Arkansas as an 11 seed. And they would be slated, the Wildcats would be slated to play Wisconsin, which could be an interesting matchup. But I, I, I want to take away from what could be happening with the individual matchups here because none of it truly matters. I mean, we've got a pretty good idea of who the higher-seeded teams are going to be at this point. But there's so much that could change that I think we need to put it on reserve. Like, okay, we know where these... These lower tier seeds are going to be, we, we, we need to pause and say, do we even know if Kansas State's going to be a one seed? Because right now they are projected to be one, which is, you know, really, really hard to, to grasp. But they've also had just a really, really solid strength of schedule uh, in terms of what they've done in conference play. But anyway, point being, Kentucky's building momentum. 
They're finding something right now, and they're back in it. This is something we talked about last time we talked about bracketology. They're back in it. And on top of that, they're executing. They've now gotten that win over Texas A&M. I want to turn our attentions here to the net rankings. I don't know if we talked about this last time, but Kentucky right now is 39th in the net rankings. They're 13-6 and overall, and their resume, just to be completely honest with you guys, is pathetic. This resume is awful. I mean, it's just straight up bad. I think the last time we talked about the net rankings, we discussed this, but I'll recap it here for those who weren't there or don't know. The net rankings is a computer system, a mathematical system that breaks down strength of schedule, how teams are performing, who they've beaten, how they've beaten them, who they lost to, how they've lost to them, what conference they're in, the strength of their individual conferences, all these different things like that. And it ranks every single team in college basketball accordingly. And it also divvies up college basketball into four different quadrants. Quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four. Obviously, you want as many quadrant one wins as possible. But you just need to win as many games as possible, to be honest with you. But you need those better wins. You need those wins against solid opponents. Kentucky has played six games against quad one opponents. They are one in five in those games. They've only played two quad two opponents. They've beaten all of those. And they have a quad four loss, which I can only assume is South Carolina. That's bad. That loss to South Carolina hurt. And on top of that, their top-end victories are very, very few. There's almost none. There's three that you could maybe say, oh, that was a solid win. But even then, not really. And you need way more to be considered to get into the tournament and to be a respectable seed. So there's still a lot of work to be done. Absolutely a lot of work to be done. The net rankings think that Kentucky needs some some work to do. Jerry Palm, to be honest with you, the reason I'm highlighting his stuff is because he is way higher on Kentucky than ESPN and uh, and Andy Katz over at NCAA.com. Because last time I checked, the Wildcats weren't even in the NCAA tournament in either of those two. Now, they may have updated up until this point. They may have updated over at ESPN because Kentucky was the first team out in the latest ESPN bracketology. But guys, this is a season that has not died. This season ain't over. At 13-6, and six, we've got so many different things that we could accomplish, including that beating Kansas. Guys, I didn't think we had a chance to beat Kansas just a few weeks ago. I said after that South Carolina loss, like we would get drug by Tennessee and Kansas. Well, we beat one of them, and we're going to be in it against the other one. It's all on the table. It's all on the table. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. If you have any questions for the show, you can hit me on Twitter. Make sure to follow us on Twitter as well, at Locked on UK. You can also leave it in the YouTube comments below. Or you can hit me on the socials over at Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky previewing UK versus Vanderbilt. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.